This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about some of our differences will often show us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. My guest today is Michelle Rickett. She's the founder and CEO of a local organization called She Is Safe. She Is Safe is a Christian nonprofit based here that for nearly 20 years has rescued and restored women and girls from abuse and slavery in some of the hardest, most difficult places around the world. Just last year, they had over 25,000 women and girls in their life-saving programs. Michelle is also an author. Her latest book is Forgotten Girls. It won the InterVarsity Press Reader's Choice Award and has been voted as one of the top 10 books to read of faith and justice. Hey, Michelle, thanks for being with us on Perspectives. Oh, it's great to be with you. So I wanted just to start out and introduce our audience to the work of She Is Safe. Tell us about it. Well, She Is Safe was really born out of my life experience. Uh, My husband and I and our two baby girls moved to Nairobi, Kenya, where he was to oversee some international work there for a nonprofit. And, And it was there that I first learned about the debasing view of women and girls that leads to all kinds of physical violence, uh, including the sale of girls across Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. I was learning so much during those years, Um, even though really no one was using the term human trafficking or modern slavery. uh, I was just haunted by what I was learning about um, how this mistreatment was going. And then, of course, now, Fast forward 20, you know, many years later, we um, founded the organization with this goal in mind that every girl should be safe and free and equipped to to live the life that God created for them. Um, We now have 20 people on staff and we work together with nonprofit organizations in the busiest human trafficking quarters in the world uh, to do prevention, rescue, restoration. We've seen phenomenal success with the prevention work, honestly, uh, where we see a reduction in the cases of human trafficking. So that original trip to Africa, that was mission work on your part? Yes, we actually lived there for two years on assignment. And uh, yeah, just wanted to learn as much as we could. And wow, uh, that planted a seed in my heart to begin some kind of effort you know, to make a difference for women and girls. Talk to our listeners about how in other cultures, women do not carry, and some might even say in our own culture, women do not carry the value that that men carry and the respect. Well, yes, um, in many places where we work, um, these are the most difficult place for women and girls to grow up. Often girls um, are not wanted in the home, we see that in the one-child policy that China has continues to suffer. There are not enough marriageable young women, and so this drives human trafficking as men are looking for women. So one terrible evil sort of leads to another. If girls do survive those early years, um, often they are not fed protein. It's uh, thought that that will make girls uh, unfit to be wives and mothers, and so they are stunted. Uh, and then often forced into a child marriage, which is recognized as a form of 
human trafficking and uh, the number one killer of adolescent girls in the developing world is suicide. Number two would be childbirth because of their stunted uh, malnourished condition. So uh, when you think so little of women and girls, uh, it's easy to commoditize them or try to get rid of them or make a little money off of them. Uh, Certainly um, many cultures do not invest in girls' education as well, which is a a game changer for them to be able to be literate and to um, be able to sustain their lives going forward. So the the hardships just go on and on. And uh, sort of the end of the line is physical violence. One in three women around the world will be subjected to violence. That's 736 million women and girls. Um, 175 women are killed every single day around the world. So today, 175 will lose their lives from someone who feigns to love and care for them. Uh, And of course, women make up the majority of those trafficked. Uh, 99% of all sex slaves are female. So we definitely have our work cut out for us to make a difference. Um, now and, of course, for next generations. You and your organization first came to our attention after the tragic mass shooting in Cherokee County and Atlanta. What do you know about and what insight could you perhaps offer about what happened on that tragic day? Well, first, I have to say, you know, we're just grieving these horrific murders and um, along with the families, you know, seven women and one man were lost to the world that day and uh, it's just so horrific Um, what we understand is you know when women who were viewed as sex objects were then murdered by one of their presumed abusers Um, but this moment really exposes the difference between a legitimate massage business and an illicit sex parlor for what they are. These are organized criminal rings, small, you know, family rings or much, much larger, sophisticated criminal rings that exploit women. Uh, women are targeted by these rings and often in their home countries for recruitment, China, Thailand, Eastern Europe, most often because they do not know the language. And then, of course, the women are intimidated into um you know, becoming sex slaves through violence and debt bondage. Um, so we, we at Chief Safe have um, this insight that, of course, violence against women and girls is a norm often where these women come from. And we know that where that happens, that exploitation and trafficking are right close behind. So women are beaten, starved, and lit on fire and uh because they are viewed by their handlers as less than human, when we know for sure they are made in God's image and worthy of respect and protection and nurture. For those in the sex parlors, of course, to gain a tourist visa and a fake degree from a massage school indebts these women to around $50,000. So when they come, then they are coerced that they have to do whatever they're told until that money is paid back. Uh, there are about 9,000 of these illicit sex parlors. And, you know, you and I may walk by them uh, in our strip malls and in our neighborhoods. 
there are, you know, the mixed bag of both uh, legitimate and illicit sex parlors. How does someone who is legitimately seeking massage therapy tell the difference between a safe business establishment and one of these that you've described as one that has women in debt bondage? Well, you, the customers often who are looking for a legitimate business, uh, they can tell something's off as soon as they get in when they're invited for special services that are not on the menu. Um, and often it's those customer complaints that are tipped to law enforcement, um, as well as, you know, health department inspectors are going in and looking at licensure and how businesses are carried on. And, and those are the tips that come, you know, back to law enforcement. Um, the ho- hope, of course, of law enforcement is that um, they will be able to run a sting or a raid and uh, be able to build a strong enough case to close down the illicit business and prosecute higher ups. Um, but of course, the women who could give testimony are very reluctant. They don't understand um, that they are not criminals, that they are victims at the hands of these criminals, and that uh, law enforcement will stand on their side, that we do have a system in place that could help them, but of course, they barely know the language, if at all, and so it's very difficult, um, a dilemma, if you will, uh, which means, you know, uh, those of us who are neighbors of those places uh, can find out where they are and can befriend the people who work there. I'm a big fan of, you know, being uh, neighborly with everyone. And then that gives us the opportunity to ask thoughtful questions and to see, you know, what's, what's really going on. Um, uh, on our website, we actually post information from the Blue Campaign from law enforcement that tells how you can recognize some of the indicators that this may not be a legitimate business or a person that you're dealing with may be uh, truly a trafficking victim. What are the reasons that women and girls who find themselves in this situation, they don't get out? Is it that they can't get out? Well, often it's fear of retaliation upon their family uh, from these criminals um, or a distrust, as I mentioned, of the justice system. They just don't know how it works here. Um, uh, Often if they are taken into custody, sometimes for their own protection, um, they will be represented by a lawyer paid for by their so-called friends who actually own the illicit business. So... Um, they are surrounded, if you will, by people who are threatening to them. Um, and they, they truly don't know where, who they can trust and where to turn. It sounds as if this should be a relatively easy crime to prosecute, but apparently that is not the case. That's right. Who's going to come forward and bear testimony? Um, that's the question. With the customers? You know, like the gentleman who, you know, committed the murders, he certainly, you know, wasn't forthcoming in the way that he should have been. 
and the women who are being forced, um, they are not going to come forward and certainly the owners. So it really is a, a very difficult thing to prosecute all the way through successfully. Uh, but it does happen. You know, some have been closed down and law enforcement. I, I'm just so grateful to live in Georgia uh, because of the task forces that we have. And uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigations are running stings all the time to build these cases um, and then, you know, push go on prosecution when they can. Now, let's be clear. We do not have any evidence as of yet that any of the activity going on in either of the spas where the lives were lost was illegal or illicit. It was more so, from what we understand, uh, the perception of the suspect who has been charged, correct? Exactly. That It was this character who saw these women as objects of temptation. Who knows? I mean, I, I think one of the women was a grandmother who did cleaning there. So certainly, you know, no one would accuse the victims of anything. Uh, It's just a a grievous situation. Tell me a little bit more about your book, Forgotten Girls, Stories of Hope and Courage. I can only imagine that you have had an opportunity to encounter women who got caught up in this terrible situation and somehow managed to find the courage, and the wherewithal to get out. Yes, the book Forgotten Girls uh, was a research field, researched book. So a board member, Kay Strom, and myself and a team of interviewers traveled to about a dozen countries. We were there to talk to um, girls, really, to understand uh, what their life experience was like that led them into um, being captive in one way or another, and then what were the the steps toward freedom that we could kind of unearth country by country. So we learned a lot of similarities in, as I mentioned, the debasing view of girls that puts them in such a precarious position, but also about their resilience, their creativity, their strength their sacrifices for one another. I mean, it is mind-blowing what some of these girls have done. One girl told us that um, she and her little sister, little sister was about three, and she said we were being uh, abused by a sex father, or um, sexually abused by a, a stepfather, and she said, I knew he would kill us. And so one night when he was snoring, Uh, I took my baby sister and we ran out into the woods and found a tree that was hollow. And we lived in that tree until we could find someone to take care of us. So big sister would go into the village and beg for food and go back to that hollow tree and eventually took her sister in with her. And uh, some woman took her off their hands. And, but you think of what that would, the fortitude of a child of about seven or eight years old, and insight to realize that this was a life or death situation and they had to get out of there. Uh, and then when I met her, she was a teen uh, living in a restoration home. That's part of what we, uh, she is safe, does is help um, victims to get into restoration homes, get the healing, get the vocational training that they need and, uh, and the love and nurture that they deserve. Um, so that, that's what the book is, story after story 
of otherwise forgotten girls who have demonstrated amazing courage. And they, they give us a window into how these terrible things happen. And uh, for She is Safe, that helps to guide us in our prevention programs. If we see the common denominators that make people so very vulnerable, we can address those through programs right there with boots on the ground in Egypt right now, about eight countries. We're talking to Michelle Rickett. She is the founder and CEO of She Is Safe, a Christian nonprofit based in Atlanta that for 19 years has worked to rescue and restore women and girls from abuse and slavery in the hardest places around the globe. Michelle, to what extent, as and you've mentioned this before briefly, language and education, a tool for the abuser and uh, a, a resource that the victims do not have, which is why they, they end up in such precarious situations. Well, yes, of course. Um, people who are brought here, they're smuggled in. Um, there isn't really a good pathway for them to get oriented to how you live as an immigrant in the United States. So that really puts them at an extreme disadvantage and of course, they their only experience of law enforcement would be what they had at home or justice, what they had at home. They would only imagine it's like that here. So um, it's uh, the be, not being able to speak the language and also not being able to move about freely and meet some of the great people um, who would love to help them navigate their lives here in the United States but they're, you know, watched over by handlers all the time. So, and often they are mis, uh, mistreated in many ways, including food is withheld from them. So um, they're very weak, physically weak um, or beaten. So um, you, you can imagine that's sort of a, it's a trifecta of abuse that makes it so very difficult for anyone to, you, know, you and I would think, well, you just get really creative and you find ways how you can get out and that sort of thing. But, but not if your world is so very limited to, say, the four walls of a, of a building. Do you get the sense that sex trafficking, human trafficking is a priority for not only our local law enforcement, but law enforcement nationally and globally? Yes, I do. I, I'm so thankful uh, to live in this age. When I first started, you know, 20, 25 years ago, um, as I said, there we didn't even have the terms to use. Well, the United States has actually led out with the UN uh, on creating the Trafficking in Persons Report. It's an annual report that every nation, almost every single nation, signs on to, and it's a report card. How well are we doing in addressing, you know, prevention and rescue and restoration and prosecution? And so every year, you know, countries go through this inspection in order to get to every country aspires to the top level of safety um, and, you know, justice to address abuse and slavery. So, and then, of course, um, I mentioned the Georgia Bureau of Investigations and law enforcement. I've been to 
um, events where we'll have law enforcement speaking. And um, I'm sorry, I don't remember um, names exactly, but one gentleman said, you know, I've been an officer for all of my career and used to be, you know, we would just walk past these girls who were selling themselves and say, oh, I wish they had a shoes and a better life. And he said, now I came to realize they were being forced and that that was a form of human trafficking. And so I've joined the task force, you know, to run these things. Well, how beautiful is that, you know, for um, this um, insight on uh, such a high level in um, law enforcement and across the world, shining more light. There also an economic impact whenever there's an illicit business of any kind. Human trafficking, you know, is the fastest growing criminal industry. And it costs uh, economies when people are not free to be able to be productive in their lives. And you think of all the waste of creativity and innovation for every girl or woman, man or boy, who's locked away and not able to do what they were created to do. So there are losses everywhere, and those are being recognized. Uh, and it's so exciting to live at a time when there's so much effort shining the light. And, you know, we're prayerful and hopeful and working so that every single one would be safe and free and equipped to live out that life they're meant to live. In what ways might our audience get involved with the work that you are doing? Well, I would say we, we have this opportunity right now to support law enforcement in on this particular area in their efforts to close down illicit parlors and to treat traumatized victims with care. Uh, the more we shine the light on the industry, the less uh, sex parlors will be considered the norm in our strip malls and neighborhoods. And the more we elevate victims as made in God's image, and we do that when we talk to law, law enforcement and to others, the more likely these women are to trust our interventions on their behalf and, and assist. So uh, people could write a simple letter to the chief of police and tell them how much you appreciate them and that you're counting on them in this difficult work to elevate these victims and to help them get the, the help that they need. So that signals to law enforcement that citizens really do care. They really are behind them. And we can organize and be able to help these victims navigate through our immigration services in a way that will really be the best for them and, and for our society too. Uh, secondly, I would say one could create an advocacy group. That's what we call them. She is safe advocacy groups um, in one of the source communities where these women are coming through, where she is safe works and our ministries of, of prevention, rescue and restoration. So people can contact us at info at she is safe.org, email us that way or go to our website. Uh, she is safe.org. And, um, Type in a human trafficking prevention kit. There are all kinds of free resources there, including the indicators that someone may be in a trafficking situation. The organization is She Is Safe. The founder and CEO is Michelle Rickett. And by the way, the book is Forgotten Girls, Stories of Hope and Courage. Michelle Rickett, I appreciate you and thank you for your time. Thanks so much. You have a great day. 
Perspectives is a community and public affairs program crafted with you in mind. If there's a guest you'd like to hear interviewed or a perspective you think should be explored, let me know. If you're old school, just write me. 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. Or message me via social media. I'm Condis Presley on Facebook, Condo29 on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this very same time as we examine another perspective. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.